0: fantasy football ranking series starts today we kick it off with tight ends and Hayden Winks we do this a lot we look at every single player um, I would say evaluating projecting looking at what matters at tight end is different than quarterbacks running backs and and wide receivers for a variety of reasons and I don't want to like simplify this too much let me know if I am but does it come down to for tight ends reds and opportunities inside the 10 yard line opportunities, volume as a whole that they might receive, team success, and if they win versus man and or zone. Like those are really the pillars I look for when trying to project tight ends for this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you. There is like a very certain skill set that has to translate for a, a tight end to be fantasy relevant. You have to play in 11 personnel. So like going back to like last year somebody like Anthony Ferkser, like these 225 pounds tight ends don't play in 11 personnel because they're not capable of blocking. Uh, Most tight ends play 75% of their 11 personnel uh, stats among the, the fantasy tight ends. And then at the same exact time in 12 personnel, when there's two tight ends on the field, these tight ends have to be nimble enough to actually go play in the slot out right. wide, play X receiver. If they are just the stone cold blocking types, then they're staying in the pass block on play action instead of getting out into the route. They're not the type that's going to be uh, running down this, the seam. So it's a very unique type of profile that we're looking for. You can't be too small. You can't be too big. You have to be just right to have these elite fantasy ceilings.
0: Yeah, it's the onesie position, obviously, on underdog. You can only start one each and every week. Well, you can start two if you want to put one in your flex. Uh, we'll get into some of the strategy talk as as we go along. But what you just outlined, you know, I didn't say it in those same words, but then just looking at the tight ends when researching and, and watching for the show, um, the talent drop-off happens pretty quickly. And just how these players move, how they're utilized before the catch, after the catch, and all their alignments, it's, it's drastically different. So we're going to hit on... All of that today, where players are going, where we have them ranked, and how those two differ. Okay, here we go. Our rankings have two tied at the number one spot. But We'll start off at the top the ADP, and that is Travis Kelsey, drafted as a tight end one, ADP of 11th overall. Uh, despite being in his 30s, Hayden, Travis Kelsey hasn't missed a game due to injury since his rookie season back in 2013. Uh, he did miss one last year because of COVID, but in the span over the last, what, four years... He's among the league leaders at every position, wide receiver included, of catches that equaled 15 yards or more. Um, this is going to be a bit of a different annual this year, right? In 2022 without Tyree Hill. And so I think you can make an argument, Hayden, that he is kind of the son of that offense, that he is the constant. And then all the other wide receiver, maybe even running back pieces, are going to be rotating around.
1: I think this is the most difficult year to project, Travis Kelsey, because you remove Tyree Hill. But also, like you said, like, yeah, he hasn't been missing any time here, but he is 33 years old. And we know what happens to NFL players at this age. And if you just look at last year, if you're really digging into the numbers from 2016 to 2020 over that big uh, span that you were just referencing, his lowest yards per route run season was at 2.1. Last year, it was at 1.9. So a little bit of decline. If you squint a little bit, you can see maybe he's not as explosive. But even with that, He was first in routes per per game last year. We know he's going to be in the top five once again. He was tight end, two, only behind Mark Andrews in yards per game, still in a bad season, averaged 75 yards. And if he is healthy, if he hasn't truly lost a step, this is the year where he has the targets where he can have a 30% target share. So very boom bust. I think that he should be early second round. I see him now going in the first round a lot. A little bit rich for me, but I can totally see it. There's only a couple tight ends that we'll talk to that have the ability to put up 28 fantasy points when it matters most in the fantasy playoffs, and he certainly is one of them.
0: I've seen him go as early as, I don't know, pick seven, and then people get greedy and don't let him get past maybe after the 201. So he's in, he's in that range right now. It doesn't feel as great as in previous years to take him in that range, but again, despite the age, around 32, who will be 33 in the early part of 2022. His consistency is just absurd. I mean, just the last few years, 150, 136, 145, 134 targets, 103 catches, 97, 105, 92. I mean, he's had six straight 1,000-plus yard seasons with 11 touch, touchdowns and nine touchdowns uh, over the past two seasons. And while there's so much talk, and so much focus on, oh, the Chiefs have to evolve a little bit, and they had to last year. He is a huge, massive beneficiary of the short stuff, and then also the intermediate stuff, and then also the vertical stuff. And so while we might see a shift like I opened with with this Chiefs offense, um, I, I really do believe that he is going to be the consistent presence, and I'm not one of these people that is now going to bet against him that this is the year that he's going to miss time.
1: Yeah, part of the Travis Kelsey evaluation is how good does the rest of the tight end position look? Because if you're yeah. spending a second round pick or first round pick on Travis Kelsey, you have to understand what the entire rest of the position looks like. And it's kind of interesting. I would say that there's fewer tight ends, we'll get to them, that have like truly elite, like Travis Kelsey level seasons. But at the same exact time, to me, we'll get to them at the very end of this podcast. The tight end twos look really good this year compared to all the other years. So, in best ball, I kind of like, I still like the strategy of attacking multiple tight ends later in the draft and playing the ping pong week in best ball. But in a regular fantasy league, Walking in Travis Kelsey, you don't like, you're not going to be guessing the wrong week when Gerald Everett scores. I totally understand that. So I think I actually like Travis Kelsey in your redraft
0: league a little bit more than in best ball. If you've never played best ball, what Hayden is talking about, underdog fantasy is the best place to play it. It's football Pringles. It's set it and forget it. Um, as soon as you draft, we pick your optimal lineup for you each and every week. And and that's it. Um you don't have to wait till August or September to do your drafts. There are drafts going on right now. The puppies five bucks. You can win $2 million playing Best Ball Mania 3. So enter promo code the show if you've never played on Underdog. The app is fantastic. Go and try it out right now. I know you will love it. Okay, Hayden, we keep bringing up Travis Kelsey as the consistent. He wasn't number one in fantasy points scored at the position last year in half point PPR. That was, uh, that was good old Mark Andrews. And what a season he had. 235 points, 14.7 per game, which would have made him the wide receiver seven overall. Consider that when you're seeing Mark Andrews' name on your queue in round two on Underdog this summer.
1: He was first in yards per game, first in yards. He had the fancy points that you're talking about, and those are the stats, more so than the fancy boy stats that actually correlate more. Better than yards per route run. Better than targets per this, that. Any fancy stat that you've ever heard on the podcast, the more predictive stat when it comes to tight ends is how many yards did you have in the previous season? And Mark Andrews finished first last year. We have to go over uh, what the offense is going to look like. Obviously, when you lose Marquise Brown, the running backs will be healthier. Uh, they'll probably pass a little bit less this year. So I'm, I wouldn't expect the same Mark Andrews seasons as he had last year. But if you're talking about a very projectable role here, Mark Andrews is that guy. And when we talked about the 11 personnel and the 12 personnel stuff at the top of our show, he has it. We're going to pull up these highlight tapes. Nobody's getting schemed up touches like him. Nobody's playing the slot like him. Nobody's running the routes like Mark Andrews is. So that's why for the first time since I've been playing or doing content for fantasy football, Travis Kelsey will not be my tight end one this year. It will be Mark Andrews.
0: Ding, ding. Uh, I think you outlined this really well. Mark Andrews has been really good for a long time. But last year, he, he went out to the moon. I mean, 153 targets, 107 receptions, over 1,300 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. Again, he's been good, 10 touchdowns, seven touchdowns, and, you know, hovering around 100 targets for the past couple years. But what happened last year that it was the big difference? Well, the Ravens were a bit worse. They had to throw a bit more. Um, And just the middle of the field and his feel, you're going to see in all of these clips, his feel for the soft areas is almost unlike anyone else, maybe other than Travis Kelsey in the league. And there are so many small, sudden movements that almost he's connected to Lamar Jackson when this offensive line does give him time that he is shifting at the exact same time that Lamar is throwing it to, let's say, the blind side, the opposite shade of a linebacker that's filling in that zone. And you see that inside the 10 yard line. You see it for first downs for 12 yard gains or over the middle of the field. And he's an absolute bull after the catch and will run over you. He's used like a slot wide receiver in a lot of these situations. And the differences in their personnel groupings and getting them in different alignments is so much fun. And I'm sure all these Colts defenders in this game are having nightmares still because he roasted them, especially in that fourth quarter.
1: I would say it was probably the most impressive tight end game of any tight end last year was this Mark Andrews game against the Colts. And like you said, there's a couple plays here where he is looking. He'll run between the zone, look back see that Lamar's not running, go find the next spot. And he's when he's typically doing is. this, it's a little bit further downfield, sits in it perfectly. And the reason why this is so important for Mark Andrews in particular is teams don't play that much man coverage against the Ravens because Lamar Jackson would run them all over the field. So Mark Andrews has to be really good at zone, and he is really good at zone. He was uh, the tight end three in yards per route run versus zone coverage. He can break tackles. He makes diving plays. He's physical. And the other big thing for this year is Nick Boyle going to come back, and that's their tight end too. And that's good news for uh, Mark Andrews because Nick Boyle is going to do a lot of the blocking stuff. He's never going to be a target uh, accumulator. So Mark Andrews has very little target competition this year. I don't expect that to change. And Lamar Jackson could just have one of these MVP seasons. He just led the league in touchdown passes a couple years ago. So he has like this monster, monster potential, and he's in the prime of his career. All the other tight ends, I'm going to quiz you on how old Darren Waller is and George Kittle is. All these other tight ends are much older than you think. He's the only one in this elite category that's in the prime of his career outside of Kyle Pitts.
0: And the Ravens offense should be better. And it all starts with a healthy offensive line. And so while you can say, oh, this is an outlier year by Mark Andrews based on all the volume and all the opportunity that he saw, even if he drops back a little bit, The offense, the team should be better. Again, I want to reiterate how much better their offensive line should be this year. And he had by far the most 20-plus yard targets last season among all tight ends with 21. He also led that number in 2019. So it's all coming together. I mean, he was tied for ninth among all wide receivers and tight ends in red zone targets last season. He scored seven touchdowns on just 11 targets inside the 10-yard line. Again, you are seeing this package right now on YouTube at the end of the fourth quarter, how much of a go-to player he was, how he had the right to get open in this confined space. And while that porous offensive line, while that injured offensive line was an issue for Lamar, when they do give him time, because either a defense has to rush three, as Hayden pointed out, because they don't want Lamar to scramble in these short spaces, Lamar shows patience in that area. And Mark Andrews, probably plus Rashad Bateman this year, are so are going to be so good at finding those tight little spaces that – while they're perceived as a rushing team, and maybe they do run it a little bit more inside the 10-yard line this year, he's a superstar in that area, and touchdowns mean so much for the tight end position.
1: Yep, totally agree. Just to recap this, last year he was 13th in better and best ball points per game, which is basically fantasy points over replacement. He's being drafted at 16th overall. So he's basically where he was last year. But I think that Mark Andrews is kind of a newer name to just the broader fantasy community, that he's n- not going to be the name of the second round that people are going to be clicking. That's like, like, oh, I'd rather have Alvin Kamara, some of these other players. I think Mark Andrews is very deserving of an early second round pick, especially in best ball. There is just very few tight ends that have the upside of 30 points. And Mark Andrews, I think, is at the top of that list. It's, just, it's really just him. Kelsey and Kyle Pitts at this point.
0: It's not just the raw numbers each week, too, again, averaging 14.7 per game. It's also the difference that you create on everyone who's starting like the tight end seven, the tight end eight, the the tight end nine every single week. So again, while his weekly scores on average put him around the wide receiver seven last year, um, the gap in scoring points from the wide receiver seven to the wide receiver 12, not that large right? Not that significant, but the gap between the tight end one and the tight end five is massive on an absolutely weekly basis. So it's so telling to me that you're willing to rank him as the number one tight end this year. Right now, he's sandwiched in between Joe Mixon and DeAndre Swift at the beginning part, the 16th overall pick of that round two. And I'm all for it, especially when you can come around. And I think Lamar's going as quarterback five right now an underdog. It's a beautiful stack.
1: Yeah. That's the other last part is Drafting Mark Andrews gives you an excuse to draft Lamar Jackson in the fifth round and like <laughs> drafting Lamar Jackson in the fifth round. There's nothing more fun than that. So highly recommend Mark Andrews Lamar Jackson stacks in best ball tournaments. You can even stack them in your home league doesn't really matter. These two are at the top of their class. They have the ceilings that really uh, no other combination has It's just Kelsey Mahomes
0: and then these two. That's what I was going to bring up. Like these two were on a different planet than everyone else at the position. Andrews nearly had 80 points more than their third scoring tight end last year for a full season. And that was George Kittle. I mean, that was George Kittle. So like Hayden, this is going to sound cynical perhaps, but on some level, are these like the only two tight ends that matter? And then everyone else we are talking about in a different realm, other than the ones that we might get to in just a moment that we think could thrust into the stratosphere as well.
1: So I think I'm going out of my way to draft Mark Andrews. If Travis Kelsey falls a little bit, I'm fine with that. This next tier that we're talking about, they're getting a little bit too pricey for me. So of the elite tight ends, I'm going to call the top five tight ends. The one that I want to be uh, having drafting the most is going to be Mark Andrews.
0: Okay. Well, maybe... Second-year player Kyle Pitts can emerge into this tier as well, and despite not hitting that superstar status that we saw of the earliest tight end ever drafted in the NFL, um, he did have 8.8 points per game. Doesn't sound like a lot, but among I think all tight ends, that was around the tight end seven or eight overall last season. Right now, he's being drafted as a tight end three, 32 overall last year, and to me, the pitch with Kyle Pitts starts that there's a chance he's used unlike any other tight end in the league. Last season, just as a rookie in Arthur Smith's first year as a head coach, 248 inline snaps, 286 slot snaps, and 237 snaps out wide. He was by far the number one player among all tight ends who saw wide snaps last year at 34%. So if we are kind of getting a pseudo third-of-a-time X wide receiver out there on the field and we just see improvement in the second year which is very common if you know fantasy football from first year wide receivers to second year wide receivers a big big boost a big big jump could be in Kyle Pitts's future.
1: And I am fully expecting it to happen. The Kyle Pitts evaluation comes down to me is the price. 32nd overall. I mean, you're you're paying for the Kyle Pitts upside. Last year he was equivalent to the 116th overall player. So how does he make this big leap? Number one, you got to score more touchdowns. He yep. had one of them last year. My model s- said that he should have scored 5.8 touchdowns based on just how he was used, how close his targets were to the red zone, all of that stuff. I think he's clearly going to score a lot of touchdowns in his career. That's not that big of an issue for me. Hit against man coverage, he was the tight end one in yards per out run at three, which is like Jamar Chase level. Like not like good for a tight end, like elite for a wide receiver his biggest thing to me is he's got to have a little bit better feel for zone and those type of things and i think that's what's going to be the biggest leap this next season it's so going to score more touchdowns there's a couple times where he didn't know when to to get out to the flats and release after blocking for a little bit sitting down in zones all those type of things getting his feet into bounds near the sideline all these things make sense he was a 21 year old rookie last year the fact that he was this high in the yards and all those stats it's completely rare and we should be betting on him it's just at what point i would love him as a fourth round pick i would really love him as a fifth round pick he's going in the middle of the third round right now and that's the kind of like the, the debate i'm having in my head right now
0: yeah we didn't get a discount heading into his rookie season and after many people thought especially in your home leagues that you thought he might be a bit of a disappointment. I thought we might get a discount here and Hayden, we're not doing it. I don't think we're ever going to get a discount no. on Cal Pitts heading into a season because as you're watching here, the case is so easy uh, to make. And your first point is is really the overarching point because look, if he scores those five touchdowns or six touchdowns versus the one he scored last year, it's about two points on average more per game that he gets in in the season. He only had 14 targets inside the 20 last year, seven inside of the 10-yard line, only four receptions on those 14 targets and one touchdown overall inside the 20. Again, we outlined where Mark Andrews sits in that. Travis Kelsey sits in that. A bunch of the names we're going to talk about later are force-fed passes or get opportunities and create them inside the 10, inside the 20. Again, it's so critical for this position to score points, and it just wasn't there, and it was weird. You heard me every time, and I'm sure you rolled your eyes. You're going to do it now, that like Arthur Smith with the Tennessee Titans was top three in red zone touchdown success rate for every single year. He was a play caller. In Tennessee. In fact, he was number one. Well, he goes over to Atlanta and they were 24th in his first season. Granted, the Titans dropped down a little bit too, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, But Hayden, to me, the worry is Matt Ryan, unless you watched it differently when preparing these clips, Matt Ryan wasn't the issue with Kyle Pitts. I think it was the offensive line. And the offensive line ruined it for Mike Davis. The offensive line ruined it for Matt Ryan. It ruined it for this entire offense. And there was no really the other second player other than Russell Gage to catch passes. And obviously they have Drake London to do that this year. But I, I am a little bit concerned. I mean, he's a starting quarterback and was for at least the first three or four years of his career. But the drop down from what Matt Ryan's going to be down to Marcus Mariota.
1: Yeah, it's extremely concerning. Uh, 100%. And they could run the ball a little bit more just because that's what Mariota potentially could bring to the table here. He's going to be battling with Drake London. If Drake London's as good as I think that that could potentially be an issue, but there's no, there's no getting around it. Kyle Pitts could be the best real life tight end in the NFL as soon as this year. Like no questions about it. Look at that last play. That's just a go route on the perimeter, but you don't see any other tight ends doing that. Just winning downfield like that. If you watch these clips, he's super fluid too, man. It's not just like being tall and fast. Like, he can get in and out of his breaks, so there's no question about it. the talent was there last year. He had an excellent season. He had some some issues in the red zone. That I don't think were entirely his fault. If they send Lee Smith out on a freaking a route again over Kyle Pitts, I'm going to lose my mind. But the 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 talent is there. It's just really a price thing. Um, if you bought him in Dynasty, you should be doing victory laps. You have a hell of a career. This is a little bit aggressive to me based off the price. But the ceiling is like immense, uh,
0: even in this offense. Yeah, luckily for you, Lee Smith retired, so we don't have to worry about that this season. Uh, And it's really telling to me that Arthur Smith is just building a pass catching room of monsters. Like if you can't find the small sudden guys or shorter sudden guys who create separation, draft or acquire a bunch of giants who are going to be open no matter what. Um, I am interested to see maybe if he does show a little bit of that rushing ability, you know. Marcus Mariota might create a little more zone coverage, but man coverage is not a problem for Kyle. And it, and it is a problem for a lot of the tight ends that we're talking about. And you mentioned that downfield play I mean, he had 12 targets of 20 plus yards down the field last year. Uncommon seven receptions on those. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that more and more uh, as we go along. OK, so there's the top three. Again, Kyle Pitts is going 32 overall right there in the third round. Let's jump to the tight end four on our list, who's being drafted as the tight end five, 47th overall. Uh, That's George Kittle. Again, it kind of felt like, maybe I'm wrong, a quiet season a little bit from George Kittle last season. He still was third in fancy points per game and half point PPR with 12.2 points per game. Okay, so we've seen how special George Kittle can be in the past and especially fits in with the mold that Cal Shanahan loves in terms of yards after catch. But those numbers have declined a little bit in the last few years, right? Hayden, like in 2018, it was an absurd 9.9 yards after the catch per reception. Wow. Ridiculous. Now, then dropped down to 7.3 in 2019, 6.2 in 2021, and 6.5 last year. And we've seen that, you know, combined with missing some games that maybe – George Kittle is no longer in the top tight end conversation like he once was just a year ago.
1: So I, I mostly agree with that. He still was second in yards per route run and third in still yards awesome. per run versus man coverage. Still awesome. Clearly one of the best blocking tight ends. But I am with you. I'm not expecting the total volume stats to ever come back. First off, pop quiz time. How old is George Kittle?
0: Yeah, he he was old coming out of Iowa. I think he was a 23 or 24-year-old rookie. So I'm going to guess that he's 29.
1: Yeah, he is now 29. That's a little bit older than I was expecting. But the the primary reason why I don't think that he will ever be that truly elite fantasy tight end is because in 2018 to 2020, when he was balling out of his mind, here were the leading target or yardage receivers on those teams. Kendrick Bourne, then the next year was rookie Debo Samuel, and then the next year was rookie uh, Brandon Ayuk, all of those wide receivers had 802 or fewer yards in those seasons that was with a kind of maybe a not a, a rushing quarterback like we have Trey Lance I'm looking at like the season like this is very blanket analysis not my favorite but Washington when uh, Kyle Shanahan had offensive rookie of the year Robert Griffin this is going back 10 years the the Washington was 30th in pass attempts. Yeah, you know, that concerns me. Last year, George Kittle was 18th in routes per game. He only ran a route on 83% of dropbacks, all of the elite tight ends, like 95%. All these things matter a little bit. He has to be elite, elite, elite just to be in this like tight end three, tight end four, tight end five conversation. If the pass attempts drop here, and just the fact that Debo Samuel's so good, Brandon Ayuk is much better as a wide receiver too than he had previously. I'm, I'm having like volume concerns with George Kittle more so than the actual talent.
0: Yeah, and really the two starts that we got out of Trey Lance were wildly different. Like yep. the Arizona Cardinals game, I think it was in week three, week four. They like asked him to play hero ball in a lot of situations, a lot of running from the pocket. And then the Houston Texans game later in the season was different. We have a whole video on that with Eric Crocker if you guys want to check it out. Um, so we do have to like have some projection of how this offense can change a little bit because as we know... And while Jimmy was far from a perfect quarterback, I actually think the Jimmy and Tua comparisons or what Jimmy does get credit for is trying to thread the needle in difficult places over and over and over again. Like he just trusted his arm and trusted what he saw and trusted his coach to like say, hey, this is going to be open, throw it there. And a lot of quarterbacks aren't going to do that, right? And so I bet we see a little bit less of the short to intermediate game over the middle of the field. And what we could see a little bit more that has been missing from this 49ers team for a very long time are passes 10 plus yards outside the numbers. Okay. And in the last two seasons, well, actually this is when he was healthy. So what 2019 and then 2021, I think for George Kittle, he saw 11 and nine targets, 10 plus yards and outside the numbers down the field. That's very little. That's in seasons of 94 and 107 targets. So if we can get that up to, I don't know, 15, 20, something like that, because George kill is an explosive playmaker. I mean, it's still in there, and especially after the catch and getting him in those, you know, more open spaces. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a little added element, not to just his game, but Bray Ayuk's game as well.
1: Yeah, I think he's gonna be a less consistent player and be way more spiked weak things. Yeah. the whole thing it really just comes down to like that usage is correct. The way that this offense is gonna be set up is gonna be entirely different. We don't know if Trey Lance is gonna be Justin Fields from last year or if he's gonna take the league by storm like Robert Griffin, the third is. That's kind of where George Kittle's upside goes up and down. To me, like the wide receivers going in this range are pretty nice. Um, I'll quietly say that the running back prices have dropped so much that you're actually able to get reasonable running back talent in the 4th 5th round now that I'm mostly passing on George Kittle but I, it's very painful cuz right now I want to be over the uh field when it comes to the Trey Lance stuff and I think if I had to pick which one of these uh pass catchers I want to stack with Trey Lance it would be George Kittle cuz devo is getting priced in the second oh, round yeah. don't really love that Brandon Ayuk has kind of been a little bit of a tease a fan, certainly a fantasy tease for us and he has to overcome he's to me easily the third best uh pass catcher I think it would be George Kittle but I'm not like going out of my way to draft George Kittle this year. The the entire offense and just having to compete with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk is not very fun for an offense that could be bottom five and pass attempts.
0: Yeah, the the fifth tight end, that's again where he's going right now. He's sandwiched in between DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, and then Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper among all, all wide receivers. That's wide receiver 22 to wide receiver 23, again, in drafts. And if we just look at, and I don't, again, based on our conversation, we don't expect him to be third in fantasy points per game with 12.2 on average, again, this season. Um, but that would have been where Brandon Cooks and Jalen Waddell got to last year. And that was wide receiver 16 and wide receiver 17 on average. So at least he's not going to the tight end four, Hayden. At least he's not going against the tight end four. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about the tight end four right now on underdog. We have him tied with another player we'll talk about in a moment, but that's Darren Waller. Um, 41 ADP, so six spots ahead of George Kittle. Uh, He played just 11 games because of a mysterious injury that we later found out was a knee issue. He also had a back issue. He also dealt with COVID. Um, I think we remember really fondly that first game of the season. He had like a 57% catch rate, could catch nothing in the first half, and Derek Carr kept feeding him. 19 targets, 10 receptions. Uh, after that, though, he averaged just seven targets, five receptions and 60 yards for the rest of the season. Um, this is also an offense that saw Hunter Renfro lead the NFL and in targets inside the 10 yard line last season. And then you throw this massive wrench in the whole equation that's going to elevate everyone, especially his quarterbacks production and Devontae Adams. So, Hayden, we've seen ridiculous seasons from Darren Waller, ridiculous games in terms of opportunity and volume. But is he now the third wheel?
1: So this is literally the Spider-Man meme of the same exact talking points I made with uh, George Kittle. I'm going to make with Darren Waller. First off, pop quiz time. How old is Darren Waller?
0: Uh, I mean, he is older. In fact, it's pretty crazy to look back on his career. I, I was at the Shrine game when he came out of, I believe, Georgia Tech as a wide receiver. Yep. Spent two seasons with the Baltimore Ravens. Think of he and Mark Andrews as teammates now with a team that, you know, used to play three Titans more than anyone else. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to guess that he's 31 years old.
1: He is 30 years old, but yeah, you're right wow. on the line there. Uh, but the other big point, same thing with George Kittle, is when Darren Waller was balling out of his mind, 2018 to 2020, his yards per route run was at 2.3. Last year, it was down at 1.7. He was a tight end six for, uh, versus man coverage, tight end four in yards per game. He was all right, but the vol- or the or his efficiency definitely took a decline, and that is without... Devontae Adams and when he had those huge seasons Nelson Aguilar and Tyrell Williams were the leading wide receivers on the Raiders the volume will never be the same with Darren Waller he's a little bit older than I was anticipating and his ADP at 41st overall is does not line up where he was last year per game he was equivalent of the 79th overall player uh, according to my numbers so this is an ADP that I don't really love here Um, I get the argument if you want to stack with Derek Carr this offense will be so much better Uh, That division, there will be tons of shootouts here, but I do think that Darren Waller's uh, efficiency drop last year is a little concerning, and obviously the target competition is not even comparable to where it was when he was a tight end one, tight end two overall.
0: Yeah, I mean, just crazy seasons in 2019 and 2020 of 117 and 145 targets. I mean, then he had 107 catches, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, and he was used everywhere. We outlined it in some of those videos that we did back then where, like, He was outside, he was inside, he was in the slot. It it was all red zone usage and it was great. It was wonderful. If I can galaxy brain this for a moment, okay? Before the Devontae Adams trade, just when Josh McDaniels was hired to this team, there was like a little mention that he wanted to be a two tight end, 12 personnel offense. And that's what he pitched to the Davises, right? Um, He's always wanted to be this. I've talked about the Rams draft room story many, many times in the past. Their second tight end is Foss Moreau. They don't really have a second outside wide receiver on the roster. I mean, Mac Hollins, baby Mac Hollins. It's Keelan Cole. It's uh Demarcus Robinson. Good for you. Okay. Maybe mash them all into one and you get 70% of someone. What if we get some fun packages, Foss Moreau in line, Hunter Renfro in the slot, and your outside pass catchers are Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. I say that, with also the caveat that last year, number nine and number ten slot snaps among all pass ca- among all wide receivers were Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro as well. So it's like all these players kind of win in the same exact areas of the field, but I, I, they're good enough. And Josh McDaniels, I think, is good enough that he can use them correctly. Again, I just think that maybe Waller is now the third in that pecking order.
1: Yeah, I think he. I think him and Hunter Renfro flip a coin of who's going to have more targets behind Devonte Adams. Uh, This year. So it's not my favorite ADP. Uh, Like I said earlier on the top five tight ends, the one I want the most, I think, is Mark Andrews in the second round. I can pair him up with uh, Lamar Jackson kind of call it a day. these other ones like Derek Carr. I don't really want to go out of my way to be overexposed to Derek Carr. Um, So I I think to me, Darren Waller, George Kittle love their games. I think we've probably seen the best of them for a fantasy purpose.
0: And I can't stress enough how important red zone work was for Darren Waller in 2020. Again, he had nine touchdowns overall in the season. Um, he had nine receptions inside the 10 yard line, uh, on just, I believe 22 red zone targets. So like, again, all of his touchdowns were scored except for one inside the 10 and if Devontae Adams, who arguably the best wide receiver in the league in that area. Is now factored into there. Then Hunter Renfro, who's a phenom and led all, you know, pass catchers last season of targets percentage inside the 10 yard line last year. Then maybe some of those go down. But who knows? Who knows how it plays out? Okay. So at least in drafts, there's a teardrop there. We go all the way from round four or round three where Darren Waller is going. And again, we mentioned with George Kittle in round four to round six. Um, And then it drops down. To Dalton Schultz. Now, that's how the people are drafting them. Hayden, we actually have Dalton Schultz tied for fifth in our rankings. I you. do, not me. I you. do. I-, I will claim this, and this might have moved a little bit since watching some of these players. Um, but the reason why I have this is because one, the Cowboys are going to throw a lot. I think this is who they are now, and Dalton Schultz really emerged as a go-to player for them in a lot of situations last year. 104 targets. 78 receptions, 808 yards, and eight touchdowns. He's playing on the franchise tag this year. A little added boost. Um, With Michael Gallup on a long-term contract yet injured, it's really just CD Lamb and a bunch of randomness outside of that. So while when you compare Dalton Schultz's individual talent, which I know you're about to do, with a bunch of the other names that we just talked about, it's not close, but I don't think the opportunity diminishes at all. And his role is valuable here and is a key cog to the offense they want to build around.
1: To me, the price is just much better. He's going 72nd overall. Last year, he was the equ- equivalent to the 76th overall player. So you're basically paying for last year's production. Like you said, there's probably going to be less target competition this year. You know, and he, last year, like his role was excellent. He was seventh in routes run per game he he led all tight ends in yards on curls, comebacks and flats. Yep. Now we can get to the point. <laughs> How valuable is that? If he's leading uh, uh all tight ends in on the curls and flat routes, what does that actually mean to me? He really struggled against man coverage. Yeah. Uh yards per out run was at 1.0, which is like 20th out of the 23 like fantasy relevant tight ends, but he is very good against zone coverage that goes up from one to 1.9. And like you said, more important than anything, the Cowboys pass the ball a lot. And Dalton Schultz is running a lot of routes because he can move just enough to be utilized in every single role. So the usage is there. No question. The price point is right there. And the last thing I care about is how good he is. And that's where I have my biggest things, but that's less third on the totem pole to me.
0: But this is all a usage bet, um, and it, I'm just giggling to myself because we just talked about Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews and George Kittle, and then we're pulling up Dalton Schultz's clips here on YouTube, and uh, they he don't hit moves, it as hard. <laughs> he moves so differently than any of them, in a, in a bad right. way. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you outlined it. It's just a bunch of curls. It's a bunch of sitting in soft zones. It's a bunch of delays of play action off the opposite side, and he's in there as a the blocker. Then he releases, and it's a flat route. It's delayed screens, all of that. But, you know, the play caller and Kellen Moore is still there. Like, this was all with him. Nothing has changed. In fact, more targets are available. And he is, again, another year into this offense, now on the franchise tag. I know he's sitting out of OTAs or whatever, but like, man, the volume has to stick. I think, like, you even, they didn't replace Blake Jarwin, who they had previously given another contract to, too. Or Amari Cooper. They didn't replace Amari Cooper. They haven't replaced anyone. So like, again, we open this conversation by saying, oh man, these tight ends fall off a cliff quickly in terms of talent. And I like the talent of the tight ends we're about to talk about after this far more than his. But this situation that he's in, while simple and short and and, I don't know, average and vanilla, like, boy, it can put up points in exactly the categories that we want it to.
1: He can sit in zone coverage, man. That's all that no. you need in fantasy at, at this point. The price point is just way too good. The last set I had was he had more than two targets against man coverage in just one game last year. Like every target no, that man. he gets is just zone coverage, but that's fine, man. Like it, he is out there. And the other thing about Dalton Schultz is he's a very willing uh, run blocker, and that's why he doesn't leave the field. You know, that and that's the key part going back to the usage thing we talked about. He's just physical enough to be there in 11 personnel. And when there's a two tight ends on the field, he's the one that's going to be lined up in the slot. So he has the perfect fantasy role and he's attached to Dak Prescott. So, right, you can only get so bad.
0: And if you want to draft Dak Prescott, if you want to have Cowboys, unless you are like at the turn and you can get CD Lamb at the 12, 12th pick, and that's rich like, too, by the way, correct. Then what other Cowboys are you stacking with other than running backs? Like other than Tony Pollard, if you want, like, are you going to take the gamble on Jalen Tolbert? Are you going to, you know, see what you're going to get with, with Michael Gallup. Dalton Schultz is the easy, easy way to, to get in there and just scrolling down to where he's going right now. It's right around the Devonte Smith, Eli Mitchell, Traylon Burks, Adam Thielen, AJ Dillon territory again, 72nd overall in his ADP. Now i saying it's a sweet spot, but it's, Fine. it's digestible.
1: It's he's he's fine. He will not make or break your fantasy drafts. Not my favorite to talk. Let's let's pick another name that's more exciting.
0: Okay. Let's go now to Dawson Knox. I think let's we go. have him pretty far ahead of ADP, and we're about to tell you why. We have him seventh overall at this position. He's being drafted those a tie to nine, 101 overall. It's pretty crazy to think about Dawson Knox's career with the Bills. I mean, he had 39 total receptions at all miss in four years. Four years, 2018 NFL draft. Now, this past season, 71 targets for 49 receptions, 587 yards, and nine touchdowns. In fact, he had the second most targets inside of the 10-yard line among all tight ends last season. And the little cherry on top of the cake, Hayden. Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley are gone. There's so much conversation of, well, who's going to fill in the slot, you know? Is it Isaiah McKenzie? Is it Jamison Crowder? Heck, could it be rookie Khalil Shakur? What if Dawson Knox has now just earned himself a featured tight end role, a featured player in quote unquote three pass catcher sets, and we see him unleashed even more in this very, very explosive passing offense?
1: What's so crazy is that doesn't even have to happen for him to pay off this price point. Last year... He was 71st overall in better and best point uh, better and best ball points per game. And he's being drafted 101st overall last year, fifth in routes run per game. He was tight in three in routes run in the red zone because the Bills are always in the red zone. He was the tight in three in expected touchdowns. He scored a lot of touchdowns, but he was supposed to score a lot of touchdowns because he's attached to Josh Allen. And the biggest part of this is I think he's a pretty damn athletic oh, player. Yeah. His play speed is ludicrous he can play out in the slot he is going to be in 11 personnel as an inline blocker because he's big enough to do that as well and the one underlying stat that i really uh found pretty interesting here is he was second among tight ends in seam routes and that's if you're talking about where cole beasley and emmanuel sanders are lining up over the middle of the field maybe it's just getting more going on the scene routes and that's where you have the big playability that's where you can have to score some longer touchdowns here especially with Josh Allen ripping it. So to me this is the first tight end that I want to put my name down attached to them. I love this cost and if you even if you don't if you can't get Steph Diggs at in the early, basically uh late round one early round two at this point, if you go Josh Allen in round three, Man, fire me up with Gabe Davis. a Couple rounds later, and then really fire me up for Dawson Knox. And round eight, round nine, wherever he's going, his upside is awesome. And you're talking about the career arc. Very little development at Old Miss. They take a chance. We interviewed uh, the 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 GM of the Bills, and he went out of his way to talk about Dawson Knox a couple oh, years ago. Why
0: I asked about him?
1: Yeah, and now he's he's in, he's developing, and yep. he's still a young athletic player. We can still see another step from Dawson Knox.
0: Yeah, I mean, does any other team, and I'm sure you can probably find this on Sports Info Solutions, does any other team go empty more often out of 11 personnel than the Buffalo Bills did uh, under Brian Dayball? Like, they turn it into five wide sets, even though it's supposed to have a running back and a tight end out there. And they bring in, and they tried to do this for the past couple years. You know, they signed Tyler Croft to a pretty big contract and immediately got hurt. Now this past off season on a smaller, much smaller contract, they brought in OJ Howard who does have first round pedigree in his history. So if they do want like a more traditional tight end in there, potentially to use Dawson Knox from a 12 personnel set, split things out, have him create the matchup because man in man coverage, his movement is so similar. And after the catch to Mark Andrews, like they, they are wreckers. man. He does not have nearly the same feel. I don't think in, In zone coverage, he's still developing in that area. But Mark Andrews is pure exceptional in there, right? But this is fantastic. Like, he had the same number of 12, excuse me, 20-plus yard targets last season because, again, vertical passing is a key factor for what the Bills are going to do. This is why Gabe Davis shined towards the end of the year. This is why a tight end is going to be targeted 20-plus yards on the field. The same number as Kyle Pitts, just one fewer than George Kittle, you know? just three fewer than Darren Waller. Like, this is a player who can win in the intermediate and downfield portion of the game exactly where his quarterback matches up so well. And uh, those slot fades, he'll make difficult grabs. I have no questions. And, like, again, Josh Allen, if you want to draft him as the quarterback one and you missed out on Steph Diggs, don't worry, man. Pair him up with Dawson Knox and let's rumble.
1: Perfectly said. Tight end seven against er, in yards per out run versus man coverage. And like you said, of the 23 tight ends I was looking at last year, he was dead last in yards per route run versus zone coverage. To me, that means there's a positive case here. He needs development. He just yeah. didn't play that much in his rookie season or at old Miss. He could take another step here. The hard part is winning against man coverage. Do you have the skills to do that? Are you in the right offense? Yes, yes, yes. Last year, production was definitely good enough. If he could be a little bit more reliable in zone coverage if they use oj howard more which i would argue is a benefit because oj howard is going to stay there in the block and it's not he's not going to be competing against uh, a bunch of wide receivers arrows up for dawson knox like yeah. he to me is the uh of the top 10 tight ends he's the one i like the most
0: yeah i mean go empty out of 11 go empty out of 12 have james cook out there as you know the pseudo wide receiver instead of Devin singletary as well And, like, this is the next evolution of of the Bills. Now, if we do have any questions, we we truly do not know what the offense is going to be without Brian Dayball. I mean, obviously, they just, you know, promote Dorsey. And, obviously, Joe Brady is there as the quarterback's coach now. So, we'd expect it to be very, very similar. It's not going to be, you know, go from top three to league average unless something happens to Josh Allen. But this is exactly... The type of talent that I want to continue to bet on. And outside of the top 100 right now in his ADP, it's beautiful.
1: Touchdown upside, man. I, you really can't beat it.
0: No. And around that 100th overall pick, let me just point out um, some names like Chris Olavi and Garrett Wilson are going there at wide receiver. That's wide receiver 47 and 48. Robert Woods, Chase Claypool, Devin Singletary, his teammate, is going five spots after that. You're not giving up anything to go and get Dawson Knox. And it wouldn't shock me at all. If the Jameson Crowders and Isaiah McKenzie's kind of cancel each other out, and Dawson Knox is the one that emerges as that number three pass catcher on that team. Okay. So there he is being drafted as tight end nine. Again, we're two spots ahead of ADP. Um, we have Dallas Goddard up next as the tight end eight. That's exactly where he's being drafted, 95th overall. Um, talk about mouse to feed. They bring in AJ Brown. Devontae Smith should get a bit more, but now we get a full season. Hey, Dallas Goddard and the full time tied in one role, something I thought he's been able to occupy for a while now. But we're going to see it hopefully for a full 17 games.
1: So with Zach Ertz, he had six point two expected fantasy points per game, which is my metric saying basically converts air yards, targets, how close you are to the red zone into a basic number. He was supposed to score 6.2 with Zach After, you would think there'd be some massive upgrade in expected fantasy points because he's a tight end one. He only had 7.4 expected half people points, which translates, if that would happen the entire season, to tight end 15. Last year, looking at it, 22nd in routes per game. He was 94th overall and better in best ball points. He's currently being drafted 95th overall. This is basically a question. Is how much do you value target competition? And the other part of this is... Because they have A.J. Brown, are the Eagles just going to pass more? How do you weigh those two things together? How much better is Devonta Smith going to get? Dallas Goddard is clearly one of the better real-life tight ends. But there's a little bit of this kind of underlying how much volume is he going to get. And it's basically anybody's guess. We're going to try to read through it on the preseason and all the OTA notes. But he's you're going to go into the season not really exactly knowing how many targets Dallas Goddard is going to get because of this offense could look completely different um, starting, especially in week one.
0: Yep. People who watch this show, listen to the show, know that we believe they're going to open up passing the football. And actually when Dallas Goddard took over as the lead tight end, it coincided with them being more of the rushing attack. So we haven't seen him again in this role with them passing a lot too, Um, but they might not too. Like they might realize during training camp, Oh, we can't do this. We got to run from the start. If you want to win the most games. What I like most about Dallas Goddard is his after catch ability. Um, He was actually fifth in yards after the catch among all tight ends last season. He eats up ground. Yep. He's a fun player uh, in a different offense with a different quarterback. Like if he and Zach Ertz switch places, I'd be a little more jazzed. Um, I don't know how many shares of Zach, excuse me, Dallas Goddard I'm going to have here at 95 overall, because as we just alluded to, I'm just going to take Dawson Knox in this spot. Unless, I'm playing for that week seventeen, and I've got Jalen Hurts on my roster.
1: Yes, and that's like the last thing is we want Jalen Hurts as our fantasy quarterback. So in those builds, you're going to be Dallas or you're going to be targeting Dallas Goddard a little bit. So I'm I think he's properly priced right here. Uh, I think I would rather have Dawson Knox, but really is going to depend on who my quarterback is. I'm not going to be going out of my way to get Dallas Goddard following the A.J. Brown trade. Now, before that A.J. Brown trade, Dallas Goddard was like, circle his name. He can take another big leap here. But now there's three mouths to feed in an offense that last year was able to feed about 1.5.
0: Yeah, we talked a little bit about Dalton Schultz and how it was kind of vanilla usage at times. Like, it was a bunch of delays or tight end screens or flat routes. Um, Dallas Goddard got a bunch of those towards the end of the season, too, and it's his yards after catch that made those into into big plays. Okay, Uh, so there's one more in this tier. If we're way ahead on Dawson Knox, we're pretty much lower on TJ Hawkinson than the public. We have him as a tight end nine. He's being drafted as a tight end seven. 84 overall. There's been some big shifts in the lines. Again, second half of last season without Hawk on the field. I'm on Ross St. Brown went off. We have a whole clip on him that's about to hit the channel. So go and watch that. But now you bring him back in. You also bring in DJ Chark on a one-year contract about who knows halfway through the year, we're going to get Jamison Williams in the ball game. Um, The Apple VRI last off season with TG Hawkinson, but did you see it? Did you see a specialness that made you believe even through the injuries and the bad offense and so on and so forth that like, maybe there's something extra there.
1: I really didn't. And the numbers kind of back that up against man coverage out of the 23 tight ends. He was 13th. Again, in yards per out run versus man coverage, tight end 11 versus zone coverage. And the big part of this is obviously the target competition. And I think a lot of people just like, kind of like, oh, you earn targets, the target competition doesn't matter. I truly do not believe that at all. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be in the role that he had last year. That's a role that's going to be competing with TJ Hawkinson at that part of the field. Same thing with DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift could get way more targets uh, in his uh, third year or second year with this offense. That's the same type of Uh, part of the field and then obviously Jameson Williams and DJ Shark are going to be better than it was like what uh, Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds and those guys so he was six in routes run per game I do like that but he last even last year without the target competition he was 80th overall in scoring he's being priced as 84th overall and I'm not going out of my way to be drafting Jared Goff this year and I'm not going out of my way flying stacks so really to me it's like what is the point with TJ Hawkinson Zach Ertz uh, is is attached to Kyler Murray. All the other tight ends right in this range are attached to top ten fantasy quarterbacks. T.J. Hawkinson's the exception. So even if he pays off to beat this by a little bit, I'm totally fine with being out on him right now.
0: Yeah, the the only not gonna call it saving grace, but maybe the wide receivers going in this range aren't beloved. Like it's Brand Ayuk, it's Hunter Renfro. Right after where T.J. Hawkinson is going an underdog fantasy right now, it's Sky Moore, Christian Kirk. The player I, I keep hammering here is Russell Gage at wide receiver 43. That's just over and over and over again, taking a couple spots ahead of ADP. Cover your ears, Hayden. But yeah, with, with with Hawkinson. And there's a much bigger difference when you're running mate in the slot is Danny Amendola than now what it is with Amon Ross St. Brown. And like, this is the future he's with the Lions right now.
1: You are Mr. Uh, Tight End on the second contract. At what point should we start seeing the flashes of elite performance? Because T.J. Hawkinson obviously was drafted top 10. This is, I think, going into his fourth season this year. Should we have seen more than what we've had of T.J. Hawkinson? If he's going to be a Hall of Famer, like everyone thought coming in, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. Could he be the next George Kittles, the comparisons? Should we have seen flashes by now?
0: Probably like just absurd plays where you see one stiff arm along the sideline and reel off a 70 yarder. Like we saw those early in George Kittle's career. We've seen some big plays like that from Dawson Knox and a few of the other names that we talked about early on. We need to see that. Um, And we just haven't seen that like special moment from TJ Hawkinson yet. Even though we've seen those special moments, even from players in the same team and not Monro St. Brown in Deandre Swift, you know, like the opportunities were there, they were trailing and it still couldn't get going.
1: Andy is the quarterback like Jared Goff would love to throw the ball to TJ Hawkins if he's really good. So
0: yeah, Alton Schultz would have 200 targets. I'm just kidding. You <laughs> <laughs> might though. I'm just kidding. Okay. There's actually a teardrop here. So we go from what the one. Well, from 84, 95 that we talked about to Zach Ertz, who's our tight end 10 being drafted as a tight end 10 in round 10 to 110 overall uh, on the board. So tail of two Halves of the season for Zacherts. Again, he he leaves the Eagles, goes on over to the Arizona Cardinals. 81 total targets in just 11 games in uh, in Arizona. 50 yards per contest. But if you zoom in a little bit more, when DeAndre Hopkins missed time, missing time again this year, I mean, it was crazy usage. 11 targets per game. Um, How much of that can we pluck on over and hope and expect this season, too, because they also drafted a tight end with their first pick when they didn't have a first rounder.
1: Yeah, but w- I think that that tight end needs a little bit of development here. And the same exact offense or offseason, they paid Zach Ertz the fifth most tight end money uh, of anybody in the league. So That's Zach true. Ertz's role is completely in there. He is the slot tight end. He was 10th in routes run per game last year. And going back to the expected half PPR points, he had 7.9 with the Eagles, up to 10.6 with the Cardinals. I know I want some Kyler Murray this year. His ADP keeps keeps falling. I'm totally fine with Zach Ertz. I would much rather have Zach Ertz as my tight end than Rondale Moore in a very similar price range competing at wide receiver. I think that Zach Ertz is the Cardinals slot receiver this year, and he paid off this price tag, if you're looking at better and best ball points per game, last year with the Cardinals. So the DeAndre Hopkins suspension totally makes sense. The real only downside here is Zach Ertz is old. You know, but, but I mean, look at the top five, all of them were 29, 20, uh, 30, yep. 33 years old too. So I think that Zacherts belongs in this like tight end 10 range. But I think that we will be ranking him as a low end tight end one for most of the season.
0: I don't think I have anything else to add to that other than saying that, look, in those, what, 11 games he played, he had 14 red zone targets with the Cardinals and that's a pretty good amount in eight contests and we know how much and how good kyler is at running the football with james connor and in that area of the field but again six games without deandre hopkins at least you and i believe that hollywood brown for the long term is going to play that christian kirk slot role and so it's the high low situation a little bit between those two in the middle of the field and uh yeah
1: they Interesting, play fast I mean, over there
0: in cardinals yeah yeah okay next up uh, is actually, I think the tight end that you and I disagree on most within the top twelve. He's my tight end nine, and your tight end thirteen. Which, if you and go in the middle, uh, that's our tight end eleven. That's Pat Fryermuth, Hayden. What is there not to love? I'm even tempted to rank the Muth much higher. To be Do honest it. with you, I love his movement, I love his toughness, and as a rookie. He led the Steelers in catches and touchdowns inside of the 20-yard line. This was with Ben Roethlisberger. Now we get Kenny Pickett. We get a real Matt Canada offense. I mean, 75% of his targets last year were nine yards or less. I think we get an expanded role, an expanded field for Pat Fryermuth, who made a lot of difficult catches look easy last season. I think among first-year rookies, At the position, it's difficult, especially when we're in the shadow of Kyle Pitts, to look as good as he did in an offense like we just saw. And so it just leaves me even more optimistic of what year two could be.
1: Coming in as a rookie, I thought he was very overlooked. He had a great prospect profile coming out of Penn State. Good athlete. And then last year in the red zone, he totally dominated. He had seven touchdowns. He was exposed to get about that amount of touchdowns. He's just really good. And like you said, he's a very good athlete after the catch. They can use him out in space. They can put him into the slot. So like what's not to love here? Uh, To me, it just comes down to a couple usage stats that have me a little bit concerned. Uh, The pass catchers really didn't change. I think Kenny Pickett will be much better than Ben Roethlisberger was. But they do use this dude, Zach Gentry, who's 6'8", 265 as a blocker, a lot in the yep. wild card game. Uh, our guy Fryermuth ran fewer routes than Zach Gentry, he played only 46 of the snaps. I look, Pat Fryermuth was 23rd in routes run per game. He had zero games where he played uh, at least 80 of the snaps. He was tied in 22 in yards per game, so his, a lot of his fantasy numbers were buoyed by those touchdowns. I'm not sure how many touchdowns the Steelers are going to score, so there could be a little bit of regression there. So, I'm very caught. Uh, in the middle here where very good player i loved him coming out but at some point you got to look at like how he's being used and why is he not playing as much uh as we thought i'm expecting a second year leap so i, I think i'm okay with his adp um but Deontay chase claypool uh naji harris rookie quarterback so there, he has to overcome some hurdles to be yeah. like a rock star
0: i don't know i'm I'm oddly not concerned that Deontay and Chase Claypool are just going to be like better than they were last year, which takes away from him, you know, Right. and miss me on George Pickens in year one. Maybe that will come back to bite me and, you know, Calvin Austin, whoever else, who knows? Um, I just think already he's their best player inside the 20 inside the 10. And when you're drafting him at what tight end 12 right now on underdog with an ADP of 126. It might be my favorite tight end pick when we get out of like that top end range with the elite talents at the position because he's just always there in a range where I don't know who to pick. And in fact, I might couple him with a Dawson Knox if I want to kind of like double tap that position. Now, I'll never take Kenny Pickett. So maybe that's kind of telling of what I think of the Steelers' offense because that's but that's more of an unknown, you know, like 70. Again, let me reiterate this. Seventy five percent of his targets were nine yards or less last season. He had just one target of 20 plus yards down the field. The offense is going to expand either with Metro Trubisky or Kenny Pickett without Ben Roethlisberger and his washed up body back there throwing it passes. was so bad Trubisky. when I was compiling
1: these clips. My God, the big big mean, stuff.
0: He would not sit there and allow these guys to get open. It was first read or I'm going to panic, you know? And so we get a legitimate, and I just think that like the, again, the little steps that he can take and learn from the game and do all that stuff. But just with, you know, Legit quarterback back there. Hopefully, I'm not the biggest Kenny Pickett fan. It's just going to make a huge difference while already being a featured player in areas where tight ends score points, especially in this range of the draft. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, I I completely agree. I just don't see him having like tight end five type of ceiling here, and I can kind of see that with like the Dawson Knox types, the Gronk types coming up here just based off of how the offense is utilized. But it's it's very con- I'm very conflicted here because. I am uh, among the the consensus. I am the Kenny Pickett guy. I was the Pat Frymuth guy. So like, what is there not to like here?
0: You're two and, spots lower than ADP. You have him as tight end 13. Well, no
1: I I, I am t- I'm team tight end twos, and we're gonna hit this position with a bunch of uh, touchdown upside later in the draft. But I will note, uh, per the Athletic, and I've seen this multiple times. Pat Frymuth has been the most impressive player in OTAs for the Steelers. So uh, this is not an anti-Pat Frymuth thing. I think in Dynasty, I would be loving to buy him. But we got to clear out a couple targets here and make sure that
0: the Steelers' offense isn't bottom 10 again. Okay, Not shocking. We're going way too long. Uh, Let's close this section out with the tight end 12 in our rankings being drafted one spot higher. Uh, 120 overall ADP, and that's Rob Gronkowski. Um, This might even get boosted up a little bit once Gronk resigns because just digging into the numbers a little bit and digging into his game, old Gronk has not gone away, man. Like, it's not an every-down player who's just dragging fools, but he had the sixth-highest yards after the catch of all tight ends last season. He was still fourth in fancy points per game with 11.5. That's madness at his age and his body and how he just doesn't show up until training camp. Maybe that says something on how we should do our jobs, too.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But he he was still fourth in routes run per game. So old man Gronk was at there at least running some routes. He's not going to be blocking every single snap like he used to. And what's crazy is just like the way that they use Gronk. It's like still same old Gronk. Even though he missed time last year, he still led tight ends in total seam routes those plays were just classic yeah, Gronk yeah. and that's why you can't walk Timing, he's got the confessions yeah. all that said. but that is a very efficient throw and that's why Tom Brady and Gronk have made upwards of 6 billion dollars in their NFL careers is because of that throw and if you look at it just last year i like i'm a Cameron Brake guy in the last round of drafts but if you look at Cameron Brake plus Gronk their total expected touchdowns last year were 11.4 this is a team that's going to be in the red zone a ton they throw to their tight ends a ton in the red area as well. So tight, I mean, tight end 11 here. Gronk last year was a consensus top five tight end whenever he, whenever he was out there. And the OTA reports are saying most likely Gronk is going to be out there. He just doesn't want to do the entire offseason. What does he have to prove to anybody? He's just going to go stumbling down over the middle of the field and catch uh, probably on eight, nine touchdowns this year again.
0: Okay, so those are our top 12 tight ends. Let's have a bit of a, a free-for-all after this. Um, because we really differ from consensus from ADP after that. Um, In fact, our tight end 13 is a tight end 19 in drafts right now. And that's Hunter Henry. Um, Yeah, he's in the second year in New England, his second year with Mac Jones. He's being drafted at 154 overall. Uh, You are the biggest Hunter Henry fan out there. You keep bringing this up. You did prior to last year when all of us were on Johnny Smith. So what gives you this much optimism versus the public, which, you know, you believe the public is smart based on ADP.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not going to be drafting uh, Hunter Henry as the tight end 12. I mean, to still be drafting him as the tight end 19 where his price is. But the wa- the reason why I was on Hunter Henry last year is he is Mr. 11 personnel and could be the slot receiver in, in 12 personnel. And this offense, you have to have both of those. That's why Johnny Smith didn't play last year, because uh, he, for whatever reason, couldn't catch the, the ball. So it was always Hunter Henry and 11 personnel. I'm expecting that to be the same this year. If you just look at where he was uh, a season ago, he was uh, fifth in expected touchdowns. He was 100th overall in overall scoring. He's being drafted 155th overall. And you can't even just say he's going to be a negative regression candidate when it comes to touchdowns. This offense could get better. And even if he did regress in touchdowns, he was still 17th in yards per game, 19th in routes run per game last year and I'm expecting them to pass the ball more. And even if he if they don't, he's still being drafted as the tight end 19. What am I missing? Like this yeah. is I need the chat. I need people to tell me, contact my lawyers here why is Hunter Henry being drafted so low? It makes no sense to me.
0: Well, because I think okay and I'll, I'll put the, the tight ends are being drafted ahead of him. Um they're all athletes <laughs> like it's Albert O, it's Irv Smith, it's Mike Kosicki. There's a Didn't few he win of the names
1: the award Hunter Henry. I mean, he's, he's scored, a
0: decent athlete himself. Give yes, me a break. He, uh, he scored the most touchdowns of his career last season on just 75 targets. Look
1: at the wide um, receivers competing against. That explains it.
0: And and it really hasn't changed that much. Um, what stood out to me was that he was the spot and just one percent fewer right after Mark Andrews in terms of percent of team targets inside the ten yard line. In fact, he was seventh in the entire NFL. In that metric at 31%, I mean, scoring touchdowns, pretty big deal at the tight end position. I have no clue. And I expect them to use Jonathan Smith far more. In fact, maybe even as a pseudo H back fullback role a little bit, but there's nothing that Hunter Henry did differently that he's going to see fewer opportunities and you're getting him at just a steep seat discount. I just think people ahead of him are trying to say, Oh, I know the guy that's going to vault into the top eight and I'm getting him at, you know, tied in 15 or tied in 16.
1: this is last call for all the people fading mac Jones it's been like Get this for the last two years last chance to fade those people and draft uh, all all the Patriots what if what if guys listen to me mac Jones is actually good what if that happens what if he just keeps on this trajectory where he was the the Heisman winner and almost got the rookie of the year and what if he just just turns into Phillip rivers
0: you know teammates love mac Jones Damien Harris said it's a joy to Share a field with Mac Jones. Cam Newton was recently on like a, a former NFL player podcast, and like he's like, Oh, I'm better than you know 32 quarterbacks out there. But as soon as they asked him about Mac Jones, he gave like all the respect in the world to him. Mac Jones, low key, the most beloved player in the league by all of his teammates. So, okay, so we go from Hunter Henry to someone who is being drafted one spot ahead of him, Hayden, and that's uh, David Joku right off a new contract, um, tight end 18, 150 overall as he's being selected and we're way above ADP on him as well as our tight end 14. Okay. A few notes for me because his archetype is like boomer bust in a lot of ways. Like he's an explosive downfield player. I mean, 35% of his targets last season were 10 plus yards down the field. And then he has this yak element on the tight end delays or screens that he averaged seven yards after the catch per reception last year. That's fourth highest among all tight ends. But it's either like the screen game, the 10-plus yard game, and there's really not that much in between. Do you think that's fair?
1: Totally fair. Um, But he is still pretty young, and they gave him so much money Austin Hooper leaving is the biggest part of the equation here. Austin Hooper leaves uh, 4.2 expected touchdowns behind. Uh, this offense could even just get a little bit better than it was last year. And David Njoku was 32nd in routes run per game. So something had to happen here for him to at least get in this conversation. When I put on the film, I always knew that David Njoku was a, a, the freakiest of athletes. And there is one of these plays where he runs for about an 80-yard touchdown. That's super impressive and super rare. Is, is he physical enough? to be in there and 11 personnel and block a little bit, which uh, tight end spot is he going to play in in 12 personnel? And what I noticed is the dude's pretty physical too. Like I think that he can be in every down tight end. And I think that's why they got rid of Austin Hooper and paid David Njoku so much money is they, he was actually getting in there and blocking a decent amount here. So I don't think he's going to come off the field too much. And he has all of the ability to rip off some, some crazy plays that only a couple tight ends in the league could do look at this play. That does not look like a tight end running out there in space. So uh, he's never totally proven. it. He's always been a fantasy tease, but if there's ever a year to bet on it, it's this year when the the wide receiver group looks pretty bad outside of Amari Cooper. So they're probably betting on him to be on a, probably the second or third target getter on this team.
0: Yeah. He he is the anti Dalton Schultz. (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. They are the opposite styles of, of tight ends. He is maybe that second contract tight end that emerges, you know, the one who is starting to be more physical. I think he was maybe the youngest player in the league when he entered it or close to it and, you know, just developing and learning the game. But these special moments, I mean, spiked week at the very least you're getting out of him. And again, he's going as the tight end 18 right now. I highly doubt that stays the same. Who even knows what the quarterback situation is, is going to be. Maybe he has Jacoby Brissett for the entire year, but, um, these big plays that he creates again, 10 plus yards on the field and those targets or taking screens and manufactured touches. And again, we know no one loves multiple tight end sets more than Kevin Stefanski, but I would say like, this might be the least investment that they've had in the position outside of the number one that they've had in a while. And then at the wide receiver spot, like we said, it's Amari Cooper and who knows what else like Donovan peoples, Jones, Anthony Schwartz, David bell. And that's about it. So, there are no excuses for David Njoku to not have a massive season this year.
1: Players like David Njoku are why I'm passing on like a lot of players, like the the Darren Walker and fourth. Why I'm passing on, on Fryer Muth is I want to get back. I want to get deeper into this t- uh, tight end two discussion. The David Njoku profile is the exact Josh Norris profile, like a late developing athletic tight end that obviously uh, eventually takes a leap. I think that he could easily be in Njoku this year.
0: Yeah, it's, it's why I'm having four spots ahead of ADP. Okay, that's right. who else do you want to talk about then? I mean, a common name that I've seen a lot is Irv Smith Jr. Um, it's pretty amazing when preparing for a show like this because every single year we keep hearing, oh, it's Irv Smith's year this year. It's Irv Smith's year this year. Um, I was shocked to find out he even has 90 targets to his name in his career, 66 receptions, 676 yards, and, and seven scores. I guess my question heading into this was, well – how does he compare with other tight ends that Kevin O'Connell has, has been around? Um, I was shocked to find out last year, Hayden, that Tyler Higby lined up in the slaughter out wide 46% of the time, you know, like pe- when Higby got hurt in the super bowl, Robert Blanton, who's kind of a skinnier frame, maybe a little bit more athletic stepped in there and filled in really admirably and caught a lot of passes and, and had some production. So maybe Irv Smith is in that role but I, I've never been quite as high on the ceiling as others have in, in Irv Smith and the people love him, man. I mean, he's going as tight end 15 right now. I
1: did not get to watch Irv Smith. Unfortunately, there's not I, much, like I said. Yeah. I, I do think of like the conversations we had, like, is he physical enough to be an 11 personnel? I think this is where we get into that zone. We have to talk about is Irv Smith, that type of player. Uh, Cause he kind of has a little bit of a, a smaller profile here. I think he's kind of similar. Maybe, like another player kind of in this discussion is Evan Ingram. I prefer uh, Evan Ingram where his cost is at 185th overall. Uh, obviously they give him a big contract, $9 million as equivalent to a tight end 11 money. Uh, his ADP is at tight end 24. When I was looking at all this, I was shocked to see James O'Shaughnessy, uh, playing with the
0: Jaguars last year he was well I mean the Jaguars last year
1: but but he was still tight in 19 in yards per game uh yeah. he was still tight Arnold in, 20 was in, in routes per game they this offense needs a a, a tight end that's going to catch some passes because Christian Kirk Zay Jones Marvin Jones LaVisca Chennault is not really scaring me here and if Evan Ingram talking about a second year contract player uh or second contract player with uh athleticism I mean, Evan Ingram could be that guy, and Trevor Lawrence is basically free in these drafts. So I think yeah. Evan Ingram, to me, is like an easy last-second, drop him in at the end of your best ball rosters, or if he uh, is out there for 80% of the routes in week one, he's going to be Mr.
0: Waiver Wire column guy, too. Yeah, I mean, Evan Ingram is one of my highest exposure players in our employee drafts and underdog. We have a whole you know video on him after he signed with the Jaguars. Like, Doug Peterson uses multiple tight ends and uses them really well. The Zacherts, he got Trey Burton paid by the Chicago. I forgot about that. Got him paid. Um, And he uses them in explosive ways. You know, multiple tight end sets down the field. I think, you know, that team craved so much juice last year. We saw it when Swagnew had the most juice on that team. That they went a little bit out of their way to say, oh, we got to get some speed. I just don't think Evan Ingram, going back to like what makes a good tight end, that opens this discussion, if he's going to be out there and you know, single tight end sets, yeah. even every single two tight end set, because like Chris Manhurts is the opposite style of him. But I will never quit a talent like Evan Ingram. It's just the drops were were bad news and bad timing. Um, again, there's a whole video on the channel if you all want to check that out. But again, where he's going 24th overall at this position, I'm five spots ahead of ADP on Evan Ingram for sure. And I take a lot of Trevor Lawrence as what a quarterback 2019 where he's going right Hell now. Yeah
1: for sure uh in august when we're doing our preseason stuff we will look at is evan ingram playing in 11 personnel if yes we are launching him up the draft boards
0: um there's another player kind of like that in gerald everett i have nothing prepared for gerald everett um but i have no clue what to think like this is obviously a team in the chargers that has and we just had a whole conversation about this um, with our second year players and Josh Palmer, they have two wide receivers locked up Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer, you know, rotated that wide receiver th- three roll last year. Um, but what do they do with the tight end? Like we've seen Jared cook in the past. We've, um, seen Donald Parham, especially in the red zone in the past. And now have we though, have we really in the red zone? We have just the red zone. And now we get Gerald Everett who talk about drops, like gave games away with the Seattle Seahawks. But being drafted as tight end 22, Hayden, like, again, when Sean McVay drafted him, he said he's going to be as Jordan Reed with his time in Washington with the Rams. And Brandon Staley obviously knows him during his time with the Rams, too. My only stat with Gerald Everett are two things. He's one, Justin
1: Herbert's court, uh, tight end. And number two, Jared Cook last year, who was brutal. Was fifth in routes run in the red zone per game last year. And Gerald Everett, that will be his role this year. He has Damn. 10 touchdown upside at this price. It's a no-brainer selection. This this tier, man, I, we can go over a couple other names uh in this tier. This this group, Tyler Higby, uh, Noah Fant, who is could just be an absolute baller himself. Austin Huber with no target competition. Uh, I even come around, plug your ears, Josh. I've come around on Cole Komet. I watched no, some you Cole haven't. Komet. Nope. Hey, ready? You are no, 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 no.
0: Cole commit prior to five o'clock. Eastern was your most disliked player in the national football league.
1: There is two big different discussions here. I don't think he's a great mover, but he is physical in the run game and he was lining up in the slot way more than I was expecting. He has like the usage part down. Like, I don't think that he's a great actual player. He has not scored any touchdowns. Uh, If you watch some of these things, it's pretty basic stuff. But he was lined up, detached from the offensive line, more than I was expecting here. And talking about a team with zero target competition, that could be Cole Komet. This is a very low upside play because the offense is going to be so anemic. But Cole Komet is going to be out there running all of the routes that you can ever ask for. So this tight end two range, to me, is just so much better than we've had it in the last couple seasons. And that's why I really like, especially in best ball, drafting three tight ends late is kind of my go-to strategy right now because you're just going to be trading off the touchdown weeks and in best ball, you don't have to get over the headache here. Now, some of the stuff that Cole command, like that last play was like pathetic. Like the, the way that they drew up the offense, he's not super explosive, but his usage, he checks the boxes that we talked about, like in 11 personnel. Yes. Being the slot tight end when they're in 12 personnel. Also. Yes. He's not very good I though.
0: I feel like we've gone down the the black hole of like loving tight end twos again, but like finding the one, but I, I, I think you need to reiterate the point, and maybe people should just rewind 30 seconds and re listen to it. That if you miss out on those top, like real difference makers, as we discussed, and you don't get the Dawson Knoxes or the Pat Fryermuth, at least from my mouth, Hayden doesn't have to say it in your drafts, like tripling down on a few tight ends in this range and hoping to, you know, build a monster out of those and have the usable weeks of all three as you head on through 17 weeks of your best ball season, that's one strategy that that you need to think about. Like, it's not just, oh, I, I took one in round seven, so I'm good. Like, rather than taking a TJ Hawkinson, why not, you know, triple down here and go with Evan Ingram, Cole Comet, and Gerald Everett and roll with it and have some fun?
1: Totally agree. And then the other thing to go back to the beginning of our show is we're not super sold on the top five tight ends having this truly elite season like we were when it was like George Kittle Prime, Darren Waller Prime and Travis Kelsey Prime all at the same time. If Travis Kelsey misses some time this year, really, it's just like Mark Andrews is the one that you're actually concerned about where you're actually losing a lot of points. You know, it's the least scoring uh, position in fantasy. And if the elite tight ends aren't nearly as good as they once were, the tight end twos by default will just be relatively better. So there's a lot of things kind of, flipping uh and some of the data i was looking at like the late tight end three builds were even pretty reasonable last year
0: when there wasn't a full breakout coming from that position anyways okay we've gone way too long a couple quick notes cameron brate had nine targets inside the 10 yard line last year that's the same as justin jefferson michael pittman my boy pratt firemuth same number as travis kelsey uh pretty insane when you think about it um, and we all expect Rob Gronkowski to come back, and that's what the buzz is at. But Cameron Brate's being drafted as a tight end thirty right now. Uh, that's a pretty cool name to end your draft with at this point, because if he has a two touchdown week three times this season, boom, three spiked weeks, and that will help tremendously with your best ball rosters.
1: I think even if Gronk returns, Hugh Cameron Brate could still pay off that that price tag. So I think it's all upside, even with uh. The, the, the we should be projecting Gronk to return. I would say I would put it at like 75-80% at this point.
0: Um, and we had on Monday night with Davis Matic, if you all want to tune into that draft catastrophe, uh, we had the Taysom Hill discussion. Let's quickly end on that because Taysom Hill is listed as a tight end in our database. We expect him to play predominantly tight end this year because Sean Payton has retired. Yet a small sliver section of this lovely community that we have helped foster and live in, um, thinks that maybe, just maybe, if Taysom Hill plays some quarterback this year, if Jameis Winston isn't back from his ACL, if something happens to Andy Dalton, if Ian Book is Ian Book, then boom, you get a massive edge on your tournament players with Taysom Hill at tight end. Again, he's going as tight end twenty six. Your thoughts?
1: I understand it. The biggest uh, argument for this is if you've thought about this and all the people that are listening to this have now understood the thought process here, if this happens and you considered it and you opted not to do it, you're not going to be able to sleep. New Year's Eve is going to come around. You're like, damn it. Taysom Hill starting. And I'm totally screwed out of money. So do it twice, maybe once. And then you could say, I, "At least I tried." So it's the it's the make sure you can sleep at night method is the biggest thing with Taysom Hill, who is coming off a broken list Frank injury, the same one that Travis Etienne had. Uh, he had surgery in January, and he's the uh, I would say the tight end two, tight end three, and the quarterback three. So there's a lot of things to to, to have happen. But if he is the, if he is the starting quarterback in Week 17, uh, Twitter will be an absolute train wreck.
0: I would have understood this a lot more if they didn't sign Andy Dalton to be the backup quarterback. Then like the pathway makes a lot more sense, but Hey, he still might score four or five, six touchdowns this year too. So yep, that that's in the realm of possibility. Okay. There's a ton more names. We will not get to them in this show, but guess what? There's an entire summer where we might. So appreciate you. If there's names that you, we didn't hit on and you want us to leave them in the comments down below. Thanks for sticking with us for uh, 80 minutes on the top 12 tight ends. What's up Hayden?
1: or just stack this week 17 and not pretend that any of this matters. Just get your week 17 correlation, tilt Josh's face right off. And none of the, none of this matters. Just stack them up for week 17, have a nice, well-constructed thought out team. And none of this matters.
0: Eagles, Stefan, logic, Paul, Cody, scampers, Jacob, Kyle, all of you people. We appreciate you again. We have a bunch of clips rolling out every single day. We have a few more coming out of this show And as of right now, we have our quarterbacks ranking show coming out on Thursday, too, that I will need to start researching and planning for. That's that's being delayed. That's being delayed enough already. We're doing one one a week for the next month. And we'll update all these rankings in mid-August as well. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell as well. Up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.